Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I, I'm going to take my run. I'm living in Arkansas, I like a T-shirt. So I'm going to a sundry shop in a hotel to buy a sweatshirt. It's a Michigan sweatshirt. Take a run. Next day, they go to Lansing. I'm going to take a run before we go to the bank day. And Wait, I, so you, know, you were in East Lansing out. wearing a Michigan right. shirt. Okay, okay. And I go out of the hotel. You know, I got 300 people there. You know, just wait, you know, see the candidate come out. And I go out with that Michigan sweatshirt. I lasted 20 seconds. It was like, <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I'll never vote for Clinton again the rest of my life. You know, I didn't know what <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And James had that one right. He had Michigan State. He said Michigan State hates Michigan, bet on Michigan State. James was three and four, but he had that one right. Jeff Ma was four and one. Chuck Todd, we're not even going to talk about. It's just disastrous for Chuck again, two and five. The monkey. Monkey uh, was three and oh. Monkey with a big win. Yeah. It's great for a monkey. (laughs) Good for a human. It's just great Great. for a monkey. Before I start the show, let me uh, just say that my friend Courtney Fremy, the other day, stepped in a hole on number eight, walking down the fairway on number eight, and ripped her leg in some way. We don't know in which way she's going to get an MRI or if she's already had it. The same leg where she was already wearing the brace? I don't know that, but I know that I emailed her, and and so if you know Courtney, we hope that Courtney's better and gets back on the golf course very soon. Um, what I wanted to talk about today, and I could talk about football and I could talk about baseball, but, I, you know, I want to talk about Halloween a little bit, about Halloween. I want to tell you that at my age, which is 73, I remember vaguely going out on Halloween 65 years ago. Um, I don't know what Halloween is like where you live. I don't know if it's different throughout the country, but in the Washington, D.C. area, It is a major holiday. People decorate their lawns and their homes for weeks. Uh, You know, the Halloween decorations are up as long as Christmas decorations are up. And they are... Now, have you noticed a big change in the last two years when you've had more people at home trying to do those yard improvements? I guess. I, I, I just know that you can't walk down any street where I am and not see some giant inflatable 20-foot-high Halloween oh, yeah, gizmo. Oh, yeah, You know, some sort of thing. And, and the other part is, like last night, I took the dog out around 6 when the light is beginning to fade. And the amount, and the kids were beginning to get out. They're not out at 3, they're not out at 4. But starting around 5, they go out with their parents. The amount of people on their own property sitting outside with friends, waiting for kids and their parents to come up and engaging them is stunning to me. Just around the corner, a guy's got a solo stove. He's got the solo stove. <laughs> he and he's, he's sitting there, and, he, and I said, and I began to talk to him about it, and he said, well, you advertise solo stove. I said, my kid stole it. I don't have it. I don't have the solo stove. And he said, this is the medium, and... You know, and, and and we engaged on that, and there's, I don't know, tens of, of kids at each house. Not at my house, because I live on a street that the end of the street, which runs into a larger street, an avenue, the end of the street is not lit up. Houses are dark, 
And so there's no particular advantage in You mean kids. where people dump the trailers? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a dark spot on the street. Yes. Yeah. And there's no particular... It's unlit. <laughs> there, it's not a go-to street for parents and children because you only want to go where it's lit up. Right. But I am... Uh, a couple of... Uh, actually, some adults came over around 8 o'clock or 8.30, and I had the the you know, the big box of candy with me near the door. And I have to be militant because I can't let the dog out. Right. Because the kids leave the door, the fence open. I can't take a chance on that. So I'm outside a lot. Some parents came over and they said, is there any uh, candy for adults? I said, sure, here, take, you know, we overbought. And that happens every year. Well, it's better and I don't that. mind that. But what I want to sort of say is that Michael, you're young enough that this is the way Halloween is for you in Washington. It is a communal event. But it, it has changed. I remember when I was a kid, it was much more free reign where you could you could go, say, up to a mile, mile and a half from your house. And now it feels like you have more anchor spots. So what's always been nice about this neighborhood is there's a neighborhood community school in this area. So people are, Lafayette. it looks like people are picking out their friends' houses and the, and the adults are maybe walking a block or two. And then they're, and then they're all hanging out together while their kids are, are sort of going off in these little flower clusters. Yes. Yes. And it is a big deal, Halloween. Yes. When I was young, and I grant you this is almost 100 years ago, but when I was young, nobody decorated. You might have a pumpkin outside, yeah. and you might have a, um, a flame inside the pumpkin to light up the pumpkin's eyes, because you would have carved the pumpkin yourself. And then your parents might give out candy, but at a certain point, they just shut the porch lights or the outside lights as a signal of, don't even come here. <laughs> don't even come here. And at that point, kids like me, 11 and 12, yeah. would trash the house. <laughs> Nobody went out with their parents. Nobody did this. You went out by yourself or with a friend. And, and the other thing, you, you didn't go out with your brother or sister. No. Friends. You didn't do, friends. So Carol said to me last night, did you go out with girls? No. Boys went trick-or-treating no, with the good boys. Houses. Girls went trick-or-treating with girls. And, and the, the goal was mischief. Yes. It wasn't the candy. No, the goal was full-size candy the, bars. Well, or money. Sometimes you would, you yeah. would say you were collecting for, for UNICEF <laughs> and you would keep the money. Because you didn't even know what UNICEF was. You know, I'm not a globalist. Right. I'm taking the money. But it was, it was just nothing like this. The decor, it's the decorations. It's the bands of people with their parents. Now, again, I don't know what it's like in other cities. Maybe Washington is unique in this regard. But it is, it's really something. A few years back, I remember... People used to drive their cars to my neighborhood and unload their kids oh. in the hopes of getting food, <laughs> you know, food for the next couple of weeks. And then there was always that there was that scare about twenty five or thirty years ago, whether it's true or not. Razor blades in the apples. Yes, yep. remember that one. So you could oh. only get boxed candy after that, right? Or the house kid, that had the loose candy kid, corn. Yeah, people gave out loose candy as a kid. You just dropped it in the bag. Yep. Or people literally baked cookies and put a cookie in a little sack and gave it to a kid. The Werther's Originals? Nobody. Werther's Originals, that caramel? Yeah, people handed those out. <laughs> wow, those are good. Yeah, if you ran out of candy, I used to give money. If I ran out of candy, I'd give somebody a buck. Say, there look, I don't have any candy anymore. Or go to good things, you know, like... 
Yeah, you'd, you'd unpack your own candy and hand them one of that, like Toblerone. Right. Some six-year-old comes back with Toblerone, and parents say, whoa, where were you? No, it's so, a free shop. But just open a bag of Doritos. It just was not like this. No, it wasn't. It was very much a kid's, like, I'm going to go off with my pal, get as much candy as I can. And, and come back and yeah. have a sugar rush for three days. So maybe Nobody just... wanted there to be school the next day. No. So, yeah, that's the thing. Last night was a Sunday night, and you always oh, wonder where it's gonna where it's going to fall on the calendar. But I'm thinking... Thinking maybe I'm young enough where it would become a three night going out, you know, night where it'd be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and whatever it was. You're trying to figure out how long can you stretch out this holiday. And so a lot of people you look at it's about it's about being with your friends. It's not necessarily about sitting around the family table together. But I'm surprised now you go around and you see parents loading up beer cans and oh, yeah. glasses oh, of yeah. wine. Oh yeah, that's a, and you're like they're Who's watching the kids. Yeah. yeah. Did you take the boys out? So we took Walker woke up ready to go and does not understand the concept of waiting, I don't know, till the sun starts to set. <laughs> so his entire day was ruined and he start he had this mantra. Someone must have taught it to him at school. He goes, Trick or treat. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> 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 so we got him in his costume. We, we, the boys uh, took a great photo in front of in front of the house, and there's a which fancy, you'll send to the grandparents at some we, point. We will frame that for you. Yeah. We'll frame Bridget. We uh, we took them to the fancy street. Okay, and they did uh, they did about ten houses, and they have no concept of 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 a, of what candy on Halloween should look like. So after ten houses, they're like, "This is the most candy I've ever seen in my life." Did you or Liz sit at your house and give out the candy? So we did the we did the put out a bucket and hope for the best. Oh, the honor system! And yeah. what's so great is did you house, have anything oh, when you got back? Yes, because there was a group of boys who live across the street doing the mischief. Just as soon as they realized no one no one was really checking, came back a couple times. So like a ghoul, <laughs> I stood at our at our window behind the permits, the DC permits for our unfinished house, just looking at them saying, I know what you're doing and I approve of this. <laughs> so it's just um it's the it's it's the two phases I'm talking about. The parental walks with more than your own child. Right. You know, a bunch of children and a bunch of parents very often. But more than that, it's the decorations. There's a woman who lives about four blocks from me whose home is decorated, her entire front yard is filled with gravestones and, and, <laughs> yes, you know, and zombies and bones, and, <clears throat> and people come from miles around. Much like with Christmas decorations, if there is a house in your neighborhood that is overdone by a lot, people come and they look at it, and they take pictures near it, and they do that with this woman's house as well. It, it's just... It, it's almost like an arms race to see who can decorate their house in a greater fashion. And it's Halloween. Is this a uniquely American holiday, Halloween? Is it everywhere? Is it just, it's not like Christmas is all over the world. Thanksgiving is uniquely to your country given the date it is. But a lot of countries have Thanksgivings or comparable holidays, is Halloween all over the world? You mean where you hand out free candy to strangers and gorge yourself? Yes. Yeah, that sounds pretty American. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I would think. We celebrated in England, but I, I was always working at the, you know, as the chimney sweep, so I could never, um, never really get off for that. Yeah. Please, sir. Please, yeah. come on. A little more bit of honey. Never please. had parents do it. Nobody's parents went out with their children. No, it wasn't. And it's, it's like the gathering of cocktail parties. As you said, it's all this stuff that's built up around it that's sort of been... And, and you see it in Washington. It has become this massive deal, you know? 
But here's here's what. So yesterday we start trick or treating. The end of the Denver game is still on, and you're looking at this thing. I can't believe so many people, and it's the middle of the season, would go away from a from a Washington football game to go trick or treating. Two just two small things. I doubt I'll get to Wilbon with this. Carolina and Denver, both of whom had won three in a row, then lost four in a row, both won. I would I would not. I would have bet on Washington. I would have bet on Washington. Who did Carolina play? I'd have bet on them. Atlanta, maybe. Yeah, let me check that. Right I here. would have bet on them because you know bodies that are in motion tend to stay in motion. Would you have bet on the Jets? I would never have bet on the Jets, but Jeff Ma did. Yeah. Jeff Ma took the Jets. Uh, Falcons beat. Uh, they beat the Panthers. Beat the Falcons. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Yeah. yeah so Teams that had lost four in a row and looked terrible. Denver looked terrible. I would have bet on Washington. Washington's done. <laughs> they yeah. Will yeah. you done. bet on Brady rebounding against <clears throat> WFT in two weeks? Yeah. They're done. Okay. Uh, we will take a break. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a SeatGeek ad. I don't have the app. Nigel, you have the app. Michael, you I, have the app. I, I, how do you I, use I'm it? looking up game six right now. How Back you, to Houston. Yeah, how do you use it? Well, you go to the app store, you download the app. Type in what you're looking for. And so you can just do that. Yeah, it's just that simple. The app sort of, it doesn't cost money. No, it's a free app. To get the app. SeatGeek is incredibly popular with all kinds of people like Nigel and Michael. In fact, it's the highest rated ticketing app, whether it's concerts, baseball, the World Series, at least one game to go, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. That shows up on the app. That's right. Colors. Yeah. So that. So what else do I really have to say? Green means good. Red means bad. You can get $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Tony at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. That's promo code Tony for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. It's a good line. Download the app today. You know, smart, clean copy. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is one of our favorite groups, Old Fuss and Feathers. This is Davis Vardaman and his wife, Claire. Says, sorry I've been out of touch for so long, but I finally have some new-ish music for you. Claire and I have been using a new studio, and we're really happy with the results. Hope you can find a spot for them. Of course we can. <laughs> we love Crazy. you. <laughs> this is called Don't Ask Me. It's beautiful. It's Everything just... they do is beautiful. Yes. So, Davis Vardaman and Claire, they can always be on this show. They play in Michael Wilbon. Let me just start with this. Let, let's, let's go in order of our lives, in order of our lives. And baseball was the first sport we played. Baseball. So let's start with your thoughts on what happened last night where the Braves had – sh- I assume they're go- you get a grand slam in the first, Mike. I assume you're going to win that game at home. Yeah, you would, Tony. And um, I, when I turned over, it was, I think, 4-1, because uh, I wasn't watching from the beginning. And uh, I was watching uh, football. I was watching a little bit of, of NBA. And I turned over. I said, whoa, um, yeah. I, I'm rooting for Dusty Baker to, to the extent that, that that matters. I don't have a horse in this race, but I am rooting for Dusty. And um, I said, okay, let me just watch this. Let's see what... And Houston just chipped away at it, and you know, and Freeman hit that home run to give Atlanta put Atlanta back in the lead five four. But it was so early, so early in the game, Tony, and 
These games take forever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The first two innings took over an hour. In in New York uh, on Friday, um, as we were sitting in the war room uh, at at, at Countdown in Seaport, and, uh, you know, Jalen and Greeny and Stephen A. and I are watching, and entire basketball games were played, and then you're into the doubleheader second game, and baseball's in the fourth inning. It's true. It's, it takes I mean, it, so it, it, it takes longer than college football. Yes. Yes. So they just go. It goes on forever and ever. I think last night's game ended about twelve eleven, maybe twelve oh seven. It was it was a four hour game. So, so you know, I, I just said this game's going to take forever. Let me just I'll just keep checking in, and you can watch a lot of things. You can watch a You can watch two movies while you're watching a baseball <laughs> game as well. Yes, it takes so too long. I, but I was glad that it ended up the way it did. I'm like I said, for, to what extent I have a rooting interest? It's about Dusty Baker. And so that's, you know, that's the deal. My only experience with Houston in the World Series at home is that the Nats beat them twice. The Nats, a road team, beat them twice, so I don't necessarily trust that Houston can win not just two in a row at home, but three in a row overall. Maybe they can. If they hit, Mike, they can, because they're the best hitting team in all of baseball. And now, you know, the whole postseason for them. Yeah, that's they're, what they get nine runs every quiet. game. I, I, this team has nothing to do with the one that beat the lost the Nats. So I mean, yeah, there's some of the same personnel, but um, I don't know that they're going to face the kind of pitching that they faced a couple of years ago with the Nats. No, no, they're not. No, they're so, not. So no. I, I, do, I, do, I don't draw any comparisons. I mean, um, okay. but it's it, it's you know I guess it's entertaining. I'm not compelled by it. I turn it on, I turn it off, I go back, I go forth, I go to something else. I'm not compelled by it. Um, It's too weird. It's not the baseball. You mentioned the baseball that we grew up with. It's not the baseball we grew up with. Because they don't care about the pitching. They don't care. Baseball is not committed even to good pitching. Not committed. So, you know, I'm not going to be committed in a way that baseball isn't committed to itself. It's fun. But, like, tonight... Tonight there is well, is it off? No, to, what is tonight? No, to this, uh, there's no tonight. game. That's right. They're off tonight. Yeah, I, yeah I, if it was tonight. on tonight, I wouldn't commit. I would watch, but I, Bull Celtics is on. For me, that's that's I'm committed to that. I'm compelled by that, and so I'm not. I, I would not watch it um, straight through. I turn in and out. But tomorrow night on a Tuesday, I don't know what else is on. There won't be a football game. What's tonight's football game? Uh, it's Giants and somebody. It's not Giants and the Chiefs. It's not a. It's not something you have to watch. It's not. No, no, it's not. So no, it's tonight. Not. I got some other work to do. I, I may not watch any of it, but but I will. I will right. sneak a peek at the Bulls. Let me go to some something that I wrote down yesterday in two separate games, and the specifics of them I have forgotten. But in two separate games, there were pass interference calls in the end zone, long passes, thirty thirty five yards in the air. Pass interference calls in the end zone by the team trailing late in the game, which puts the ball on the one. Mike, I like the college rule better. I, I just I I don't think this is a fair rule because it enables the offensive team to just chuck the ball as far as they can and yeah. pray for pi. I and think I agree I don't with know. you, but I wouldn't do it in the end zone. I don't. Maybe I don't know. Um, I I I I get the essence of what you're saying, Tony, and I, I don't even disagree yeah. with you. But I might make it. 
I might go back to the original way the rule was implemented over the decades in the with two minutes left or or less. Because you also just can't defensive players. Look, you know I'm a defense guy. I think the defense has been legislated out of the NFL, or they've tried to. But defensive players just maul people now. All they do is hold. All they do That's, is yes, they do and grab. And, and offensive so, no, players push that. you off. They push you off. Offensive they, players yeah. pull the defensive guy into them and then push yeah. them away. Well, they have yeah, to. They got to do something else. They got to do yeah, something it's back. Not clean. Retaliation. It's not clean. I just think that when you put it on the one, oh, yeah. you've gained 40 yards. You haven't well, completed you, you, the pass. If you caught that pass, you gained 40 yards. That's what it's saying. You interfered with the catching of the pass legally. So 40 yards, sure. All right. All right, let me get to a couple of other. Let me get to some specific things. You and I both watch this. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback who ever lived. He did not get it done. He was no. intercepted twice late. New Orleans, right, by the way, whatever you think of New Orleans, and I don't think New Orleans is a good team. They beat the Packers and the Bucks this year and beat them. Those are yeah. great wins. Those are, gr- those are great wins. Yeah. That's yeah, like Tennessee's the wins. Is, the quarterback's off of the season. Yes, um, yes. And, and my man, Trevor Simeon, Northwestern's own. Yes, yes. I texted Matt Kelleher about, I don't know, whatever time baseball went off, you know, 1230, saying that I hope to lead the PTI today. It will lead to be baseball, but for us. Yes. But if it isn't, whatever the first football story is, it should be, you know, New Orleans, Dallas, and the Jets won with their backup quarterbacks yesterday. That's right. Which one of these That's things right. was more impressive? That's, yeah, no, because no, no football, no one football game yesterday was great. It just wasn't. There was no great matchup, and there was no great game. So Tennessee you know, Indianapolis like was, was really good. Tennessee Indianapolis well, was really good, but Tennessee Indianapolis, yeah, but, I mean, but it's not you know, sexy. I mean, it's not sexy. You know, Tom Brady getting you know, intercepted twice on two minute drives is sexy. That's sexy. Got, I don't he, think he Trevor. Also, he lost to a backup quarterback. Yes, I don't think Trevor Simeon beat him in the way that I think that that guy Mike White beat Cincinnati. But Trevor Simeon was out there, and he didn't screw it up. He didn't. And, and he's going to have to stay out there. And he also threw a touchdown pass and completed 50% yes. of his passes. I thought Trevor Simeon was better than that. He was. My answer might not be Trevor Simeon, although... I think it's Dallas. Mine is Dallas. They beat the champs. They beat the champs. Yes, they beat them. you're 100% they beat right. So, well, I think, I think that... Yeah, but I'm saying I think the defense beat Brady more than yeah, Trevor Simeon. Yeah. I think that the kid on Dallas... Oh, Cooper Rush? Well, that, that, that was, kid won that game. <clears throat> that was fantastic. I was up for that, yeah. yeah. You know, that probably be, be, might be but one the, the Jets. You got three, you got the three Jets. choices. The Jets. Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I do. Let's go to the Bears for a second, because I, actually, let me, go to, let me go to something else. Because he fits into the Bears. Jim Harbaugh. He had that game won. That's another road game against a top yeah. 10 team. Yeah. I'm not blaming yeah. him specifically, but his team folded. Yeah. His quarterback simply dropped the ball, literally well, dropped rival. the ball. But his rival, and, his number yes. two rival, and beat him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What happens? You're a Big Ten guy. Jim Harbaugh is good for college football. He is. He's good. He's yeah. a good person. What do you do if you're Michigan and do the Bears want him? Well, I mean, I, you know, I wanted him for years. I thought, you know, he'll go to Michigan. I thought he'd win and get tired and then leave right. and the Bears might scoop him up right. because he's a, he's a, he's a bear. Um, but, Tony, it's hard to sell that now. 
He can't. Well, you know, maybe not. He's just like the Bears. who can't beat Green Bay. He can't beat his rival. So he might fit in real nicely. Uh, the Bears have become a Charlie Brown organization, Charlie Brown franchise. They have. From the top down, they just, they just stink. They do. And I know they got this quarterback that people, everybody there loves. I mean, he made a couple plays yesterday that made you say, yep, that's why you trade up and get him. That's why. And maybe Harbaugh comes there, and in great irony, he coaches Ohio State quarterback. But I don't know that you can sell that even in Chicago. I don't know that you can. Because um, you're getting a guy who's basically being tossed out. He's coming with great disappointment and baggage. Yes, yes. And maybe... Yes, I agree. You know, I, I mean, he's a, favorite, he's a favorite son, one of them. But uh, I'm not excited about that anymore. Um, I watched some of that game. I watched a lot of that game. He can't lose that game. You're right. 30 to 20. No, you can't. I mean, can't. You can't. 30 to 14. You can't. You're winning um, the game handily. You can't do it. No. Huh, just, but he does, and, he, and, he, and he's not going to He's not gonna beat Ohio State again. Again. No, he's not going to so, beat Ohio State. So what do you do with him? But it's a, the, the Bears are a clown, they're a clown show now. They're, they're, they're embarrassing. And... I don't know what you do about it. I mean, they, yesterday their coach isn't even there, and the coach they have, you know, he's still a he's still a you know neggy guy, and they they promoted a guy whose punt unit he's special teams coach. His punt unit is last. That would be thirty second in coverage in the NFL. That's the guy you promoted for the day. So they're they're Charlie Brown now. They just they go out there, and you go, why am I even invested in this? Which is why. I wasn't. I mean, I was. I watched every snap like I do with the Bears every week since I was, you know, I don't know, five years old. But I, 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 it's just you look at them and you just go, they're pathetic. They're not. They're they're not worth my time. But I'm going to devote it anyway. So you know, I, I, I was on the text mail chain I was on yesterday of Chicagoans. I was one of many who just said, like, you know, on the Cincinnati, which is Bill Belichick, on the Cincinnati. Yeah, on the Cincinnati. On, on to the Bulls. On to the Bulls. We're, <laughs> we're, we're all done. We're going to watch. We're going to root. We're going to be anxious. We're going to be angry. But on to the Bulls. Who, you know, who, I think the exact like, the same thing. To this start. Yeah, I think the exact same thing has happened with the Washington football team. They are tremendously disappointing. Their defense has been terrible. You can, Denver stinks. They're, they're, they're last Denver in some stinks. categories. I heard yesterday. Yes. You know, I didn't. I, I didn't. You know. Yeah. Pay People watch, and then they game, stop but. watching. They stop watching. Well, the last you couldn't stop watching yesterday because they always had a chance. And I'll get to one thing and get you out. Your pet peeve. Coaching is bad. Hey, Ron yeah. Rivera, you want to yeah. go on fourth down, go, but don't call that play. That, that don't call play. a play where the pass hey. is not even up to the chains. What are you doing? Coaching, coaching in pro football is dreadful. It's not. And good. you will not hear that on the network shows that cover football. You won't hear it. No, no. Head coaching is. You know, you might hear it from Rex, but it'll it'll, it'll just sound you know like you know sour grapes. The coaching is dreadful across the league. No, they're not, not going to talk about it. I mean, if you can't cover football and cover it. Aggressively and cover it with some some skepticism sometime, and cover it. Then I, you know, I don't want to hear chalk talks. I don't want to hear about the a gap. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. If it, big picture, tell me why coaching in the NFL is dreadful. 
And I'm not sure. I mean, managing managing in baseball is awful. I mean, I'm not even sure they're being managed by the manager. They're being managed by general managers who well, open some the, office with a spreadsheet. I think the two guys that are out there now are old yeah, school yeah, guys. I think, I think that they, I do. especially Dusty, for sort of saving the Houston Astros in their season. Dusty Baker's done that. Yeah, I think, I think they're Dusty old school. Say, he just doesn't have a pitching staff. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, follow my gut here. Yeah. But yeah. man, yeah, Ron, but Tony Ron Rivera. I mean, I still put him in the upper third of these NFL coaches. Many these, of whom these, are dreadful. These calls were these calls were bad. All right, I'll talk yeah. to you later, Michael right, Wilbon, no. boys and girls. See him on the PTI show. Uh, we will take a break. Jeff Passan can answer all the baseball questions when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. We're into November now. That's right. That October thing was a Halloween-based um, Policy Genius ad. Right? Raisins. Let's see. Yeah. Gourds. I'm reading for the first time. <laughs> oh, my gourd. There's a lot to be thankful for, like how Policy Genius can check if you're paying too much for home and auto insurance. Mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce from a can. There's a lot on your plate this November. Okay, good job. Why not let Policy Genius help you by looking for lower home and auto insurance rates for you? While your holiday calendar starts filling up, let the folks at Policy Genius get your home and auto insurance shopping done faster than you can say, why do we still do daylight savings time? This is good. They did a good job on this. Policy Genius, because well, I have to do it for a full month. <laughs> Policy Genius makes it easier to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto insurance similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved new customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance, and they've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Their team will handle the paperwork to set up your new policy or switch over your current one. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com, answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius will take it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers from Progressive to Allstate to find your lowest quote. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, old fuss and feathers. Davis Vardam and Claire. This is called Only Love. Michael, if people like old fuss and feathers want to send us their original music, how do they do that? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. And at any time that they want to send us this music yes. we're going to play it please you can listen to it in its entirety when we're done with this dopey show in fact if i were you i just <laughs> i'd go right now i would go right now that plays in jeff passan who was waking up early after that game last night we have this lovely email from mark feinsand tony i'm covering game four of the world series and passan is sitting in the main box what a fraud with a <laughs> smiley face after that i knew you would enjoy that jeff i knew you'd like that he he said and I directly quote here, my only goal in life is to make Tony laugh. So, <laughs> goal accomplished? Yeah, yeah, it was made me happy, made me happy. Let's start with the overview, um, which is where are we now? 
I said this earlier in the show with Wilbon. I'll say it to you. If you're at home and you got a grand slam in the first inning, I assume you're going to win that game and you start giving it back the next inning. The next time up, you start giving those runs back to Houston. Where are we now in the grander scheme of this World Series? I think the Atlanta Braves still feel pretty confident because they've got Max Fried going in game six and they've got Ian Anderson going in game seven. And then I sit here and I'm like, wait, starting pitching doesn't matter anymore. That's right. Nobody, like, if, if there is any postseason in which starting pitching has been less important, I've never seen it before. So the idea that starting pitching is going to be your salvation is, is something that, uh, that that's your next day's momentum. It's just not reality. And where we're going is to a dome stadium uh, with a crazed fan base that, wants its team to do what the Dodgers did last year against this Atlanta Braves team and what so many other teams have done against Atlanta sports teams and come back against a very large deficit. And I hate to bring that up, and I'm sorry for all of my Atlanta friends who carry around the wounds of sports that all of us have. But, you know, Atlanta's Tom Brady, baby. Tom Brady. You got the owner on the sidelines dancing, and then he's got to go hide. (laughs) Because New England, that's the biggest comeback in a Super Bowl. And Atlanta lost. They've lost a lot of stuff. They have. You're right. They've lost a lot of stuff. They won one World Series. They won 20 of them. They haven't won an NBA championship. They haven't won a Super Bowl. They never nope. won a Stanley Cup. Like I, nope, nope. Yeah, it's it's a it is a sneaky, tortured sports city. Oh, I totally agree with that. Does that does that incline you to believe you personally incline you to believe that Atlanta is going to lose this World Series? No, I still think they win. Actually, I I don't know. Maybe I just look at math too much. But I feel like a 3-1 lead in baseball, you so infrequently see it blown. And, and I think this is odd, right, um, that I'm looking at the road team as being advantaged. But I think scoring first, I, I know this, you know, it, it happened in game five when they hit the grand slam. They go up 4 yeah. nothing. I do yeah. think scoring first has an advantage when – your bullpen's really good, and the Braves' bullpen is quite good. The, the big question in the series, Tony, is going to be, is this Braves' bullpen that has been so good throughout the postseason just tired? Like, are they worn down? And and you remember, you know, a, a few years ago, the, the, the Dodgers had this bullpen that looked impermeable at one point, and then Ryan Madsen just got too many innings on his arm. Uh, did A.J. Minter, who gave up Game 5, have too many innings on his arm? Just Tyler Matzik and Will Smith, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the other two left-handers who have been so great. Do they have too many innings on their arm? And are they just worn down? Are they going to be able to grind through this? Um, the, the Braves, you know, they're a little stunned because when you start the game off with a grand slam and go you up got to win. nothing and got to win. Uh, Second time it's happened this postseason, though. Remember the 
the Rays hit that grand slam against the Red Sox and ended up getting destroyed in that game. They gave it back immediately. The Braves yeah. last night gave it back immediately. That was the yeah. that was the bad thing. You know, it's one thing if you give back runs in the fifth or the sixth, but you gave back runs in the second, right? You get back second runs right th- away. Second, yeah, second, second and third. And third. Second yeah. and third. And then Freeman comes back and just hits an absolute nuke. And at that point, I'm like, well, okay, you know, your superstar who's been there forever is stepping up and hitting a clutch home run. And boy, wouldn't that be a great story? And in my head, I'm starting to write it. And. I don't. I don't think I've ever told you this before. Um, I, I've I've bought two URLs in my entire life, and the first was JeffPasson.com. So, oh, okay. So nobody would would go out and yes, I don't know, and take your maybe, name. Yeah. Maybe maybe create a website that says uh, Jeff Passan uh, hates Tomahawk Chop because he's a loser. So instead, I got that on Twitter all week. Um, and the second w- was an idea that I had uh, many years ago for all of the stories that we have written and that have gone away because sports is sports. And it's called www.gamestorygraveyard.com. Oh, that's a and good I, one. And I wanted to. I, I wanted it to be there. I still haven't actually put the website up, but I wanted it to be there for all of the great sports writing that died a very sad death <laughs> when someone hit a home run or yeah. when someone hit yeah. a three pointer. Because you know how many great sentences you've written that just went in the toilet, right? Yeah. Like yeah. That's, absolutely. That's, that's, that's something that all of us. What, what is the, what is the great work that one had? that never will see the light of day. Well, now it will. Go yeah. to www.gamestorygraveyard.com. Yeah. No, no, you sit there and you're typing and something happens and you look at the guy next to you and you just go, well, <laughs> there goes that one. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that one. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's start anew. Um, I, I, the larger question here, regardless of who wins the World Series, and you hear it from everybody, I, I love baseball. These games take so long. The first two innings take over an hour. How does anybody actually playing the game care about this? Or is it just people watching the game who care about this, who are saying you're killing your audience here? I think the players are so into the game that it could last for 10 hours and they wouldn't know. It's almost like when you're out on the field, time stops. And, and, you know, it it has become a sport where execute the fill in the blank is so paramount at this point that guys don't care. And it's why you see pitchers standing there on the mound, fiddling with balls, staring in, taking 30 seconds in between pitches. And it's why you see hitters stepping out of the box and uh, taking time in between pitches because they have their own routine and they have to focus and it's got to change. And here's, here's an interesting thing that has happened during the postseason. 
It's not everyone that I run into, but almost every official from Major League Baseball who has any uh, any connection to this competition group that they have, where they're trying to figure out, it's essentially a group of people who they've either hired or tasked with figuring out what the hell is wrong with baseball. Yeah. They love the pitch clock. They love the pitch clock because the one league in the minors this year in which the 15 second pitch clock existed, Tony had an average game time of two hours and 40 minutes. Oh my, that would be so good. The games last four hours. It's, it's too long. I'm not saying I don't love the games, but it takes too long. It's a a little different in playoffs um, because you've got longer commercial breaks. You're probably going to have more pitching changes. But even even trying to leverage a game with fewer pitching changes, I I just think when my only thing is when you mess with the game, the game messes with you. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of unintended and unforeseen consequences. That's right. That are, are, are even going to manifest themselves at a big league level that don't down in the minor leagues. So, I, you know, there, there is a movement afoot right now to try and figure out how to crack baseball's code and get it back to what it was. And while I am not one for nostalgia necessarily, and I'm not going to be all sentimental about the game being played the way it was, because the truth is the people playing baseball right now are so much better, so oh, much bet. better than they were in, in every the 70s, sport. In, 80s. in yeah, every everything. sport, it's true. Yeah, every sport. Absolutely. Yep. If, you, if yep. you transported Babe Ruth, uh, and I think Adam Adovino said this controversially a couple of years ago, if you transported Babe Ruth from the 1920s to today, he would stink. Now, eventually, if you gave him the training and – uh, you know, his eye caught up to some of the things that were oh, there. Oh, then he'd be he, Babe Ruth He would be again. awesome. Yeah, he'd be, yeah exactly. that's right. Like the talent he wouldn't be there. swinging a 42-ounce <laughs> bat. He'd be swinging <laughs> right, something right. a little bit lighter to catch up with a fastball. Yeah. No, there, I mean, great be, players be learning Great players right. adapt. Great players adapt. Yeah. But by and large, and, and not to get crazy here, the main reason is because of the money. Because they get yeah. paid so much money, they don't have to have other jobs, they don't have to do other things. This yep. is all they do, and, and all they do from a young age, and they're better. And people that don't think they're better aren't paying attention, right? Jeff, they're better now in all sports. They're, they're so much better now. They're faster, they're stronger, yeah, they just... hit the ball harder, they throw the ball harder. I mean, every everything about athletes now, like there's a reason when you look at the Olympics, Tony, you, you see these incremental gains throughout the years. Well, the, the, I mean, let's look at 20 years ago in baseball. 20 years ago in baseball, the fastball, the average fastball velocity was three to four miles per hour slower than it is right That's now. That's right. But They're better. We just, we, just, we just figure things out. But you know what's not better? Game times. They've gone oh. backward, and, and there, oh. is, there is a group of baseball fans, and I, I used to include myself among them, that takes the approach of, I want as much baseball as I can get it, so I don't care how long the games go. I care how long the games go now, and, and I care 
because I look at baseball today and there are parts of it that are just extremely unlikable. There just are. Like, I'm sorry, but our world has been calibrated to move it about two-hour time spans. And if baseball's asking you to take up two of those, you know, if if there's a three-hour movie, a baseball game is going to be 33% longer than that. Like, a three-hour movie is an absurd ask of anyone. And you want us to do more than that. And you want us to do it every day. You want us to take three. Uh, the average game time, Tony, in the regular season this year was three hours and ten minutes. If someone tells you there's a three-hour movie, you say, what a masturbatory exercise by that director. Baseball is a masturb- <laughs> masturbatory exercise by the director every single day for 162 days. That's too long. It's too long. Jeff, thank you yeah. so much for getting up. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. The next time we talk Fine, to you. It, yeah, well, that's fun. Sir. You made me laugh. <laughs> Goodbye. I like that. Jeff Passer. Thank you so much. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a zip recruiter ad. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like cuts of steak, mattresses. I don't pick do, you know mattresses. What, do you know what a steak costs right now? I found out about seventeen ninety nine a pound. I was very stunned at how much it cost. I don't eat that steak. Bottles of wine. You don't even think that's a good steak. What if you could do the same thing for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How does it work? When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. Lauren Webb, just to drop a name, the senior vice president of talent acquisition for Mindula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, and I'm quoting her, at least I believe it's her. I know I'm quoting something. I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite the candidates. It's easy for me and it's easy for them, unquote. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter's internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply get on average two and a half times more candidates, which helps for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y to try ZipRecruiter for free. It's free. Come on, do it. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, it's my paradise. It is in your parking lot. (laughs) For corpses or big-ass trailers or a zip car drops by. Don't you crazy people know Gotta take this stuff and get gone. It's my paradise. It is in your parking lot. Ooh, ba, 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 ba. Na, 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 na. You know, like one night, I'll run out screaming, scram. Take a big <laughs> trailer and get the fuck away. Don't <laughs> you crazy people know that you gotta take this stuff and get gone? It's my paradise. 
That's great. <laughs> Elliot Olshansky wrote just a that. gap year. <laughs> Joe Arrow sang that. It's a parody of Pave Parking uh, Pave Paradise put up a parking lot by Joni Mitchell. And Elliot writes, I wrote this jingle before the first trailer disappeared, but now that the third has arrived, clearly it needs to be shared. It's been a long time since I've written a jingle. It's great to team up with Joe Arrow once again. Obviously, the song was originally written and recorded by Joni Mitchell, but this jingle is based on the cover by Counting Crows, whose frontman, Adam Duritz, is a Sigma Nu, making him a fraternity brother to Eli Manning, Bob Barker, Joe Buck, and yours truly. Also, Adam Duritz was Jeff Leonardo's dearest friend, and when Jeff was driving me around the country, he would talk to Duritz every single night. Oh, that's great. Best regards from Suffolk County, where the biggest issue in my block is my neighbor across the street whose dog leaves the house off-leash, crosses the street, and does a business on my lawn. Ugh. It's a lovely, lovely song. That'll just about do it for us today. Oh, wait. Let's get to Bethesda Bagels. Oh, we got the bagels. bagel sandwiches. Yeah, there. bagel sandwiches. That's a banner day for a Monday. We love them. You will as well go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area. Nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. And here are today's lyrics. In a little cafe just the other side of the border, she was giving me looks that made my mouth water. That's Jay and the Americans. That's from a million years ago. And you know why we do that, right? It's a little late coming. Jay Black passed away. I didn't know. Yeah, just uh, October 22nd. So, yeah, just. Oh, Jay Black could sing. Yeah, he really could. could. sing. Yes. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jeff Passan. Thanks to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, ZipRecruiter, and SeatGeek. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Um, Google up Jay Black and Jay and the Americans and hear the notes he hits on Caramia. That's yeah, amazing. Hear that. Here are yes. the notes he hits on Caramia. If you think rock and roll guys couldn't sing in the late <laughs> 50s, early 60s, listen to those. All right, let's see what we got here. From Pat, oh, oh, I can't mention the name. Please don't say my name on the air. Hey, are you refurbishing a trailer and are missing that piece de resistance? <laughs> well, do I have good news for you? Freshen up that old trailer with some greenery that will never wilt, no matter how bad that trailer stinks. That's right. Go to plants2porch.com <laughs> and get that Palmer orchid that will really tie the whole joint together. Even the oldest and most curmudgeon neighbors might be coerced into making offer. Plants2porch.com, turning trailer trash into just trailers since 2019. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. I'm Kentucky. <laughs> Here's one from Elliot Oshansky, who just sent us the, the um, song. On Monday's show, before you read my email, and thank you because I really needed some affirmation, baby, let alone being told that the show loves me dearly, I had a David Aldridge moment. When you read the email from Jeff Field in Wantaw, who was listening to the show at the ShopRite in Levittown. I know that ShopRite. The parents of the woman to whom I'm related by marriage live in Levittown. And whenever we go to see them with our two masculine children, we drive past it on Hempstead Turnpike. The only thing I can't remember is whether it used to be a wall-bound bounce a path marker an a and p before that company went under i do know that the parents of the woman to whom i'm related by marriage shop there in part because of the kosher meat selection no small issue when so many local kosher butchers have closed best regards from suffolk county where i often get my groceries at the shop right at garrett place in comac but will occasionally also head down jericho turnpike to the stop and shop in east northport nothing's better than <laughs> long island geography for me nothing is better from alejandro rosenberg on davenport street in Northwest and GDS 1998. On Monday's show, you read an email from Dan Thorner, and I thought to myself, I think I went to high school with that guy. Could this be my first David Aldridge moment? But since his name is neither super unique like yours truly and doesn't share a name with some nefarious celebrity, I wasn't sure it was him. But then the clincher, the song was written by his high school friend, Jonas Lejeune, and he gave our high school a shout-out to boot, a double David Aldridge. Dan and Jonas were great guys and were the year behind me at GDS, and we played baseball together. Well, they played. I mostly kept score, but, you know, I was there. Anyway, hi to Dan and Jonas. After waiting in 
vain for my little um, fellow little Gladstone Payton to finally get an email read. I found my Aldridge moment elsewhere. Eat it, Gladstone. And of course, eat it, Murray, too. Yep. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> You'd want that. Yep. You'd want that from somebody from GDS. Scott Leedy or Lighty from Elon. North Carolina. I'm up in the DMV visiting with Elon alumni. I made the sojourn to Bethesda Bagels. I ordered my bagel and told the cashier that Tony Kornheiser sent me. He didn't even reply. Just gave me the blankest stare I've ever seen. From Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. I can't wait until next October when you open the show with a story about going to your closet, not being able to find your cape, and having literally no idea what you did with it. I gave it to Michael, who's left it here. From Mike Lloyds in Evergreen, Colorado. So I consider myself a sports enthusiast, but never much of a gambler. Sure, I may bet a buddy $10 on a team to win, but I don't understand sports gambling at all. After a few years of listening to spreads, overs, unders, hooks, giving points, laying points, taking points, and whatever the swamps of Louisiana have to offer, I thought, heck, why not? So I signed up for one of those gambling apps, and I thought the best idea was to treat this like the stock market or blackjack, meaning just pick one technique and stick with it. I figured don't vary your technique, and in the end you will come out on top or at worst break even. Well, my technique was to pick with Chuck Todd. I can tell you right now, there are only two people happy about that decision. The app I'm donating my money to <laughs> and my employer. Because thanks to Chuck Todd, I have to go to work every Monday morning as, early, as clearly early retirement is not in my future. Thanks for nothing, Chucky boy. I'm missing Saliza. That's funny. From David Schramm, no relation to tax, in Colchester, Vermont. I just discovered the buttons. Magellan. <laughs> From Taha Jamil in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Your cape story reminded me of the signed dollar bill that I've got framed in my office. It reads, good luck, George Washington. Do you have any idea how much this could fetch an auction? <laughs> and from Claire Natola, I found out pretty late in the game that the golf tournament to support Rocco's Warriors, which Robert Berg mentioned in the mailbag a few weeks ago, was accepting whole sponsorship. So I quickly posted an appeal on my Facebook page for Littles to join me in pooling together over 100 book, bucks so we could sponsor a hole. To my delight, we ended up raising over $600 and sponsoring several holes. Please pass along my thanks to the Littles for their unwavering generosity, unwavering generosity, particularly to Christopher Giannini, who not only contributed to the overall pool, but added an additional $100 to sponsor a hole for his company. Between our efforts and those of golfers who's registered, Littles were responsible for 10% of the funds raised, which is a testament to this great community, connective tissue indeed. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, especially if you see Claire Natola on her bike, do wear white. You know what? Get me out of here. One, two, three. I've been bad, but I still 